Hi, welcome. It's Tara and EJ Kerwin with our Relationship Renovation Podcast. As always, thank you for listening and uh, super excited for today's guest speaker. Yeah, we have uh, on today uh, a clinician at our center, Robin Memel Fox. Uh, She was here not too long ago and talked a lot about uh, a trauma the first time. And today she's going to be helping us uh, have an episode called EMDR. Are demystified. We will get a little more into that in a second. But first, hello, Robin. Hello, How are Robin. You? Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy yes. Friday. Happy Friday. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah. So we had you on. I, I aired a little bit ago, mm-hmm. but um, you know, we talked a lot about trauma. You know, because of the effect that it has on individuals. And it has on couples. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of really positive feedback. People love love that episode. But there was like a particular question that we had a lot of people asking about. And and it was about EMDR, which is a specialty uh, that you have. Yeah, it's um, really great to be back. And that was a really fun episode. And I'm glad to hear that people are listening and getting Mm -hmm. a lot of information from that. And um, so, yeah, EMDR is a specialty that... I have, and um, I'm, I'm working on my next level certification. It's a two-pronged training that you do, and you do hours, and you you have to get supervision for it and, you know, practice and use it. And I've been trained about six, seven years ago wow. and um, been using it off and on over the years and just getting more deeper into it. And I'm finding that it's just really effective with our folks here and and just really helping them to understand how their trauma is affecting them and affecting their relationships. Yeah, yeah I, I can't say, A, how grateful we feel that you're here with us and that you have this expertise in trauma training and EMDR, and it has just made a world of difference for the individual's and couples we see when they can kind of go through that process. And we also know just through research that it is one of the best treatments for trauma. Yeah. yeah. And we've definitely over over the years, like referred a lot and just noticed sometimes, as, you know, a lot of what we talked about last time of what some indicators that a trauma for one of the individuals or both is, is impacting their relationship. And when we give the referral or, or suggest it, a lot of times, you know, people are like, they've heard about it because I think there is a bit of a buzz in, in Mm-hmm. just in general around trauma treatment and EMDR in particular. But I know when they ask us, well, what is it that, you know, we, Tara and I, it's not, it's not a, our specialty. No. It's not something we do. And so we, we know a little bit and we've, you know, spoken with you and, and other people over the years, but I think we have a hard time really breaking it down. And so that's our goal yes. today is to help the listeners like really understand what this is, you know, what it's useful for, what they can expect, and and just just to have a real informational based uh, podcast today. So I, I think the easiest entry point I think is just like EMDR. You know, what does even the acronym mean? Like, mm-hmm. what what is it? So EMDR first of all stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing, which is a lot of words. Um, <laughs> And essentially what it does, it's really working with helping the brain to manage experiences and traumatic events from the past or recent past so that these experiences that we have can be more adaptively stored and integrated and resolved 
in our brains and our bodies. And so these unresolved issues get fragmented and unintegrated Mm -hmm. into the body and maladaptively stored, Mm -hmm. which cause people to have a variety of symptoms, you know, with PTSD and anxiety and depression and things that are linked from childhood that are affecting their current life or one event traumas that can happen, you know, current things that they need to process. So what it really essentially is doing is it's reprocessing and bringing trauma to more resolution and being more adaptive in the mind and the body. Yeah. I mean, one one sort of like metaphor I give to to clients when we're talking about dealing with trauma and kind of its effects is that like, you know, in those moments when there is something traumatic that the brain is wise, you know, it knows how to protect us and keep us adapting mm-hmm. and, and, and alive in the very moment. And that that one of the things it does is it just takes an incident and it just like shreds it into pieces and throws it all over the brain, which makes sense, right? Because the brain processes information in different places. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, But the problem is exactly what you said is that then this experience is not sort of processed in a holistic sense, right? It's not integrated. It's not, that's yeah. The, yeah, that's the term I use a lot mm-hmm. when individuals or couples when I'm trying to explain it. You do a much better job, Robin. <laughs> if I say it's it's just a way to integrate and feel more whole. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it helps us to make these meaningful connections yes. um, between our past and present, our cognitions, our sensations, and our feelings. So I want to explain a little bit how it how it works is that it's bringing up material, activating the body, activating the mind, and while bringing up this material and processing through a variety of different ways, which I can explain later, so that when that material comes up later or someone gets triggered on from a sensory base, that they feel less activated in the body and it doesn't affect them as much. So it's really using this bilateral stimulation, right and left brain hemispheres crossing over through this whole succinct process of protocols that um, you go through. And there's a a lot of different ways that different therapists do it and use it. And I use it more kind of on a somatic level and working with the body. I mean, everyone does with EMDR, but I have, because my training is also in somatic psychotherapy and movement, I incorporate that also in my work so that people can really resource in the body first Mm. because it can be scary to go into those sensations and feelings, but it's not meant to activate you so much that you get totally destabilized. It's very titrated and intentional and slow. Yeah. So, so let's start, and this, this might harken a little bit back to our first podcast with you, but let's, let's say, okay, just first somebody who's listening today and they're trying to figure out like, wow, is this something that might be useful for me? Like how might someone know that like, yeah, I should I should actually consider trying to find somebody who, who practices EMDR. Versus like talk therapy or some other. Yeah, yeah. cognitive behavioral or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the more typical interventions. Right. I would say if someone is experiencing a lot of intrusive memories and thoughts and feelings and really destabilized in their body or something happens that triggers a past event or, you know, for example, someone has a, a car accident and they have trauma from that and they're having some fear around getting in their car or they yeah. notice they're feeling anxious while they're driving, helping to resolve and go through that accident and like rewire the brain and the body so that 
you can access that fear and really calm the nervous system down. So anyone who has experienced any type of trauma can really benefit from this. And it's, you know, trauma, again, like I spoke about in the in the other podcast, is so subjective. And that developmental trauma or people who have complex PTSD or a lot of trauma, it's going to take longer to unwind. And we'll talk about that in a little bit about how long. But I, I wanted to go back for a second to explain a little bit more about um, how EMDR was developed. I think that's yeah, one of the things yeah, you absolutely. wanted me to talk about. Yeah, please. Um, so Francine Shapiro, she developed EMDR. And the story goes is that she was on a walk and she noticed that she was starting to have some intrusive or disturbing images or memories come up as she's walking. And she noticed that her eyes started to go back and forth and move like in REM sleep when your eyes are going Mm -hmm. back and forth. And she noticed as she was walking and having these thoughts or these memories and her eyes going back and forth, she felt calmer. She felt more grounded and more resolved in in like letting go of those intrusive images. So she did a lot of research and developed this whole protocol and um, it kind of birthed from that, which is kind of an amazing... That's really cool. And as I remember reading that about like that was her story, I was like, that is just fantastic. And I will say just that darting of the eyes. I've seen it in session when we're going through a timeline or doing a genogram and someone starts to talk about something that was really painful. I've actually physically have seen people's eyes dart back and forth and they don't even recognize it's happening. I know. It's also just on, just for people who are listening also, it's an intervention that you can do at home that we talk about is like, if you're in a very complicated moment with your partner struggling to get through it, that taking a pause, going out on a walk like Francine Shapiro did, that it does help to with that bilateral movement, mm-hmm. even if it's not trauma oriented, right. but it's just you're activated, you're upset, you're angry, you're hurt. Going for a 20 minute walk, kind of thinking your way through it and coming back, it's sort of employing, it sounds like some of the same concepts that, you, that you're going to be talking about on a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. That we can resource it for ourselves and, and it is that right left stimulation that is doing something in the brain. And there's been a lot of studies on it and efficacy and people are trained all around the world. And, um, you know, there's some offshoots of it, brain spotting. And another one I just learned about ART, action reprocessing technique. I think that's actually a a nice launching off point. So we've talked about what it is uh, we've talked a little bit about where it came from and that, and also, you know, if an individual might be appropriate for it and they're exploring it. So if somebody gets to that point and they're like, yeah, maybe this is something, but we all have anxiety sometimes about something we've never done and we don't even know what, what it is. So, so if someone is planning to come to you, Robin, what can they expect? You know, what's the process like? Yeah, great question. I always like to start with just building that relationship with someone and getting the history and really kind of assessing, are they appropriate for it? And just really going through some of that history and explaining EMDR and resourcing in the body first, and then preparing them and explaining how it works and having people watch videos or read about it. There's a lot of books and there's a lot of stuff online about it, some better than others. Um, but, you know, really just kind of assessing how appropriate it would be for someone because it, it may not be for, for everybody. And then just just trying it and seeing and if someone has to be open-minded about it and just, you know, willing to try it. And then I like to help people to 
resource and try that bilateral stimulation, as you were saying about that pause, where you can actually tap on yourself. So there's different ways that you can tap on your own body, right, left, on your chest, on on your legs, on your feet. And so there's different ways that different therapists, you know, recommend people to practice that on their own when they're feeling activated and creating a safe place and a container for those emotions helps to ground and resource when people feel overstimulated. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it's most of the time you're not even starting the EMDR in the first couple sessions because you're just building that rapport. You're assessing to make sure that that person's appropriate. And you really do, when you say resourcing in the body, can you just clarify that? Because of course we know what that means, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure some of our audience is like, what does that mean? Yeah. So yeah. How, what does that mean? Thanks, Tara. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Resourcing the body is really just about becoming aware of your sensations in the body and helping to ground you to teach someone how to breathe, to notice a sensation in their body, because most of us are cut off from our bodies. And especially if there's been trauma to the body, there can be dissociation, there can be disconnection to the body. And so helping people to understand when they feel flooded, when they feel activated, that to slow it down and to kind of access their breath feel their feet on the floor, feel your body on the chair, Mm -hmm. just slowing it down and really grounding and orienting yourself, looking around the room. These are just some examples, getting that sensory base, you know, okay, tell me three things that you are aware of right now. And I always, when I'm closing down a session, I'm making sure people are leaving my office in a grounded resource place. So I'm teaching them about it while we're doing it. But I also do a lot of prep work ahead of time to make sure that they are able to find that resourcing in the body. I just love that name for the body because we have resources like in our life everywhere, but how often do we think of like resourcing our body to kind of regulate emotions in a healthier way and be more present for them? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. what, what What I'm hearing you say for sure, Robin, is that in those first few sessions, especially around the resourcing, is you're, you're creating safety for them with you. You're also empowering them a little bit with this resourcing that it's th- that they have the ability to calm themselves and giving them some ways to do it that they're in charge of their process both in session, but then also they're walking out of that session maybe with some tools as well to help them when they get overwhelmed and you know, when they're maybe checking out or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also about mindfulness and just being present, as you said, you know, that being curious and just realizing that we have this innate wisdom in our bodies and that our bodies do tell us a lot. And so really being able to tap into that and not all EMDR therapists, you know, have that structure that they use. Obviously in the training, they talk about containment and safety and there's a lot of exercises Mm -hmm. and scripted things that are taught. But I think for people who are body-centered psychotherapists, we have an advantage because we have that awareness ourselves and training Mm -hmm. to really observe the body and really help people with that as well. Okay, so you so you've established the rapport. You've you've helped them them resource, gain some empowerment, uh, some even a little bit of introduction. It sounds to bilateral stimulation mm-hmm. um, on their own. Now you walk into the EMDR process, and I think this is really the area where people are like, "What the I heck is it?" I had one client that thought she was going to be like 
hooked up with these magnetic things and they were going to be zapping her brain. And I said, I don't know. No, that, that's definitely not it. But. They, it is not electroshock there. No, no, it's not. It's not. So yeah, walk us into like a yeah, first so, EMDR so session. So the original way of doing EMDR is similar to what someone might think of in hypnosis. And so having someone follow your fingers and going back and forth and watching with your eyes as you're sitting sort of to the side of them while you're processing. So what 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 I'm saying when it's processing, again, it's this like tiered protocol of all these different steps that you have to take and preparing and doing the history taking and really figuring out which memories to work with first. So sometimes we start with an old memory from childhood, or we might start with something that's happened recently and kind of floating back to, okay, tell me about a time when you had that same feeling where you felt out of control or you felt unsafe. And so we kind of are, are working with the implicit memory that someone has of an event, and you don't have to know all the details of an event, by the way. Okay. The thoughts and cognitions, positive and negative cognitions that go with these these memories and tracking the body. So we're working with thoughts, cognitions, sensations, and memories all at once through this whole process. So back to the techniques, when we're processing and guiding them through, while we're activating the body and the mind, with these memories, we hold the original memory or the event. But once you start going through this process, other images, other thoughts or pieces of it might come through as we're processing. So it makes the material more adaptive. And so you're learning how to change the thoughts, the you know, the messages that you got around it and linking them to present day and how you can feel more empowered and resolve that issue through the processing. Is it pretty directive? I mean, are you, are you asking clarifying questions? Are you, yeah, help us understand like, like what, what are you as the clinician uh, doing to help them guide them through that Mm -hmm. memory while stimulating the right left brain at the same time? Yeah, as the the therapist supporting them, we don't say a whole lot. You don't want to interject too much because people will naturally go through this process. And so we're guiding them, but saying, okay, you know, let's process that and hold the memory, hold the thought, hold the, the feeling, and then we'll process it through either this bilateral stimulation, like I explained, or there's these tools that we use. So I use, um, auditory or tactile stimulation that some people use both or just one. Some people use this light bar. I don't have a light bar that's just going back and forth too. So it's eyes open, engaging them with those bilateral stimulations. Sometimes people close their eyes. And so I pause, I guide them through and ask them, okay, what are you noticing now? Take a breath. What are you noticing now as we're going through it? And they'll just report to me. And then I just say, Okay, go with that. So that's yeah, just the processing. That. I don't say a lot. That's not the protocol the way, but I'll often encourage people to just say whatever. There's no right or wrong. It's just whatever comes to you, and then we process through it. And um, it's kind of, this is the part where yeah. it's hard to explain until yeah. you actually do it because yeah. it's it's yeah. this very... Yeah. Well, well, I'm hearing you, you identify a target or a mm-hmm. memory... And then is there a, so I actually did my own EMDR therapy years ago. 
Um, and it was for actually a phobia of spiders, but, and it turned out to be nothing at all about spiders, but um, the therapist that I saw, the EMDR practitioner, she would do a sud scale, Mm -hmm. like on a scale of one to 10, Tara, like how, how activating is this? You know, and I would think of a tarantula and I was like a 10 and then she would, she used the light bar. So I would identify the memory because I saw a tarantula on my door the first time I moved here to Arizona and it was terrifying. So Mm -hmm. I was afraid to go back to my door at all. So I would go in, I identified as a 10. She used the light bar and it took me from that, like, and it ended up being stuff around my mom, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but then at the end of the session, I did about six sessions. At the end of the session, she asked, she went back to that original target or that original memory. And she said, okay, what is your sud scale now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How activated are you? And it literally went from like a 10 to a two in 70 minutes. Yes. It yes. was crazy. Thank you, Tara. I forgot to mention about the sud scale. <laughs> yes. We are scaling it. We're, we're, trying to assess like what is the level of disturbance and we're trying to get that down through the activation and then scaling in the beginning and linking those negative cognitions or messages that we internalize. So it might be, you know, processing a traumatic event from childhood where someone remembers hiding in the closet because their parents were were fighting and mm-hmm. they were scared. And so the memory and the cognition about that might be I'm not in control. Um, I'm not safe. So yeah. we, you know, then we work towards lessening that scale of that activation, mm-hmm. like you said, to a lower thing, and then linking a positive cognition. Now I am safe. Now, yes. So I'm safe now, and it's not happening, and I'm processing through. And people will report when they bring it back up, like, "Oh, I see it there." It's not erasing the memory, it's just desensitizing it, which is, that's where the word desensitization comes in, is that you're desensitizing so that it doesn't feel as upsetting. So you're, you're just watching it. It's like the, they use analogy of like, you know, when you're on a train and you see like, you're looking out the window and you just see the images going by. That's something that happens with EMDR is that you may just see the image and just be like, oh, there's that, huh, I don't feel, I don't, but I don't feel that like anxiety in my chest. Yeah. I don't feel that tightness in my throat. And so the other thing that I do is help people with the language of what's happening in their body, teaching them that language mm-hmm. too. I think a clarification well, of that desensitization is really important too, because I think that that word can kind of freak people out because it's like desensitization means I'm numbing out or I'm or I'm you know kind of like mm. you know just losing something maybe mm-hmm. but really what what desensitization the way you explained it is is that you're less reactive you know that that you're not having this impulsive fight flight freeze response right. anymore right. you're just merely having the the memory and and saying like you said oh yeah. There you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I will say in, in my experience and then with a lot of couples or individuals that I work with who've gone through EMDR or do you, Robin, it's like, I had no idea there were certain memories that I, it's almost like when you're going through this process, like there are so many things that I would never cognitively, consciously think of. And once I started looking at that light bar, it's just like things just came to me. And I just, and like I said, my therapist was just like, go with that go with that, stay with that, go with that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that there was so much stuff there. Yeah. yeah. And and people will report that, you know, that they process through something and then they, the way that they integrate it into their life maybe had nothing to do with that memory. But yes. like 
someone who I worked with, he, you know, worked on a, on a something where he was stuck and he had to get out of that. And he really, you, as a little kid, he, he, he fell and he into a hole and he couldn't get out, but he realized through the processing that he got himself out. And so he really used that metaphor in his life and realized, and he got more confident with making decisions and things. And he really used that to say like, I can get myself out of a hole. And yeah, it was amazing because yeah. like he just, you know, came in the next time and just said, reported all these different things that were happening yeah. and feelings in his body that he was like, wow, something shifted. I don't know how or what, yeah. but it worked. That's yeah. a good lead in into like, yeah, what can people expect like after they have their EMDR sessions, right? Like what can people expect to happen after? Yeah. So I think people often report just feeling more calm and less activated around things that may have triggered them in the past. Um, having more clarity about what this meant in their life or um, a dynamic, how that pattern is showing up in their life and really understanding where that came from and helping to resolve that so that they now have the tools of like, oh, that's why I feel this way. And it, it just is validating, if anything else. It's very validating for people to understand like, okay, I'm not crazy. This this is There's a reason why I'm feeling this way. And I, I may not have had like a very clear memory of the details, but, you know, I can, I can understand where that came from. And like when I went through the training, we, we did our own EMDR with each other. And I remember doing something that was a current trigger for myself. Like it, I think it was around um, when I get a call from the, the nurse at school, like I get that feeling like, oh my God, something horrible has happened to my kids. And so I worked yes. with that and linked it back to, you know, a, a childhood trauma where you know, one of my best friends was killed by a, a car when she was 13. And oh. so just remembering like getting that call that when, yeah. when they called me to say like, have you, have you seen her? And I didn't know where she was. And then Wow. calling back and and they talked to my dad and I remember getting that call like yeah. can I talk to your dad and like wow. so that memory was yeah. was triggering yes. you know that hyper vigilance about when the nurse called and it really helped me to like okay not a big deal just breathe like yeah, yeah. bad <laughs> I, I think that's like a huge thing you just said because you know I think sometimes when people think of interventions like this they think like you're just like sort of doing something to their brain and changing them and they they won't like they aren't sort of a party to it and I think that people what what I noticed over the years is people love insight and they love the idea that they've become empowered and mm -hmm. that right there is like such a clear example of like you had a reaction that you thought was, you know, just as it maybe wasn't pleasant, but it was like, well, it's normal. Of course I'm freaking out every time the nurse calls. But then you realize like, oh, there was something else going on. Now I know what it is. And and now mm -hmm. I have this awareness and then I can I can work with it. And that's what we see with couples where one individual goes in into EMDR is they come out reporting like, well, I feel more empowered in my relationship because I can communicate more effectively because I'm less reactive. It doesn't mean that my, I don't get upset or hurt yeah. or whatever, but I have I have some agency, whereas before I was just in like, yeah. I was in reaction. Mm -hmm. The ability mm -hmm. to regulate emotions. Can I ask yeah. one question? Do you ever like let clients know early on like, that there may be some 
like uncomfortable side effects in the beginning? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and after every session, I, I tell them, you know, you, you may feel tired, you may feel drained, you may feel a little bit spacey after this, and, and that's normal. You might have more memories come up, you might have some dreams, and always yeah. they can contact me if they're, you know, needing more support. But I again, I make sure to close down the session and get them grounded before they get in their cars um, to leave. And so, yeah, it's, you know, and, and sometimes things can be resolved a lot quicker or we need to process it over several sessions. Yeah, that's a good, so that's a great question kind of as we, we approach the end here mm-hmm. is, is how long should somebody expect if, if they decided to, to enter this type of therapy, how long are they going to be in it? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on how much trauma there is. So for someone who has like a, a single event trauma, like a, a car accident, they specifically say, I just want to come in and work on that. They may find that there's things from their past that link to that, but they might resolve that in one or two sessions wow. if they don't have any other other trauma. I had that. That's kind of rare, but that, that can happen. But for longer, you know, usually six to 10 sessions, I think is the, is the average in, yeah. you know, the industry that people talk about, you know, for complex trauma, we're not going to do EMDR every week. We're going to, we're going to really yes. process and reevaluate after each time we do it. And then they might need to talk about it some more and not reprocess or, or find different ways. So it's not necessarily um, that every week, I mean, some EMDR therapists who've been doing it for years and years and years and years. They, this woman, one woman who I did consulting with, she just goes right into it in the first session and takes the history and does it all, starts it right there. Wow. But that's for me, like, I want to make sure, like I said before, that, you know, it's really thoughtful and um, slow. And it's not because it's, there's risk for it. I mean, it has been studied it's really endorsed by a lot of studies and efficacy around um, the Department of Veteran Affairs have done a lot of research yes. on it and the effectiveness with vets and PTSD. PTSD. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely studied in the, you know, the trauma clinic in Massachusetts, they did a lot of studies. So it could be used with children and adults. Uh, I mean, that's a great thing to hear too, is, is that, you know, there's a lot that we do in our field of psychology that that doesn't have, you know, the greatest research around. But but from what I understand, what I've been told, that EMDR is is one that has has a ton of empirical evidence mm-hmm. that says like, yeah, this intervention helps people. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I we I think you've done a great job of helping us understand this way better than than we did when we walked in. So if somebody's in, you know, whatever, some other city than where we are or here, you know, whatever, like how does somebody find an EMDR therapist? Like how does somebody go about researching that and, 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 and knowing that, up with yeah, that they're going to someone who's like a certified, you know, in training or whatever certification in EMDR? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a website called emdria.org, E-M-D-R-I-A.org. It's the International Association and people who are certified or registered in that or they register through it if they're working through it. Um, that's one way to find a therapist. There's a link where you find a therapist and see who's certified. There's also, if you just look on Psychology Today, for example, and put in EMDR therapist, you can find who's trained in it because um, not everybody's certified through EMDRIA or has their name in that. You know, It's like another thing you have to pay for and get certified and get your listing on there. So 
you can just look in your local, you know, psychology today and see who's trained in it and who's got certification. And, um, you know, the certification process is obviously stringent, but there's different levels and you can, you can do EMDR after you've been trained. You don't have to have the certification. So it's, there's different levels that you do. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll definitely, I mean, cause Robin, you gave us a, a few different resources throughout today's episode. So we'll include those in our, uh, in our show notes so that people can link out to all those resources. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin. This was so helpful to us. And I know it's going to be so helpful to our listeners to just really understand and have a deeper understanding of what EMDR is. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Robin. You. How Thanks for having me. It's yeah, fun. absolutely. So uh, thank you guys again for uh, listening uh, to our podcast. And I uh, just want to throw out a few of our plugs. I guess the first is uh, we have still Relationship Renovation at Home available if you want to check out our webinar, RelationshipRenovationCenters.com. If you want to just purchase it, RelationshipRenovationCenters.com backslash checkout. And we'd love to hear your suggestions for shows. This this show was definitely an offshoot of some people saying they wanted yeah. clarification. Uh, so you can hit us up on Instagram at Relationship underscore Renovation, uh, Facebook at he said, she said counseling.com. And you can always just either go to our website, he said, she said counseling.com or just email us info at he said, she said counseling. Just remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train, me and you listening to the rain, me and you, we are the Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.